Welcome to the Weekly Juice Podcast, where we discuss all things real estate, personal finance, investing, entrepreneurship, and the many ways to achieve financial independence. We interview accomplished investors and entrepreneurs with the goal that their stories inspire you to take control of your financial future. Here to get your creative juices flowing while also documenting their own personal investing journeys are your hosts, Corey Jacobson and Ryan Bevilacqua. Welcome back to the Weekly Juice. As always, it's your boys, Ryan and Corey here with another episode. Today we had an awesome episode. We interviewed Terry Harris. He's a former professional basketball player. He was in the NBA's G League for a while. And now he is a real estate investor, developer, uh, specializing in short-term and also long-term rentals. Uh, yeah. Awesome dude. Just we had a fun time. We really did. I feel like we always connect to people who are in like the sports who have either come from sports or just related to sports. We've interviewed a lot of like former Division One athletes. Terry did it professionally. He played Division One basketball, played in the G League, played overseas. Um, his older brother is like a, a one of the superstars in the NBA. Um, Tobias Harris, if anybody knows, he actually plays for the Sixers. But so Terry was just like super, super knowledgeable. And you could tell that he took like the dedication and the work ethic from his basketball game right into real estate. He is the the perfect story for anybody to that is listening to the podcast that is like, I'm not making a ton of money right now. I'm making an okay salary. How do I turn that salary into millions? And Terry literally is doing that. Like he started off with a $35,000 a year, a salary in the, in the G league. And not many people know that's kind of the average. Like that's what G league dudes make. Like, uh, Ryan Pineda was a former minor league baseball player. He talks about how he had this low salary playing in the minor league baseball. And like he, kind of fell in love with real estate when he was able to, this is back to Terry, he was able to turn his $35,000 a year salary and triple it on buying a home, renovating it, living in it, like kind of a live-in flip, and then selling it for like a hundred grand in profit. And then he got bit by the bug. And now he's doing development. He's doing ground-up development and then putting those properties on Airbnb. And he has a partner in the the, the uh, LA area and also Joshua Tree where he's able to do this. But you can just tell, man, like this guy was like, I, I wanted to do wholesaling. I dove into wholesaling. I wanted to do flipping. I dove into flipping. And, you know, he was able to scale his wholesaling business and parlay it into development. I just had a great time. You could tell that, like, I was talking the whole time because I, I love hoops and I just, I really respect people that are in that game. And Terry was a, a concise breath of fresh air. So it was really cool to talk to him today. Yeah. I think this is going to be one of people's, favorite episodes that we've done to date. Yeah, and take notes because he literally talks like specifics about numbers and stuff, which was, you know, sometimes our episodes are more mindset, sometimes they're more detailed. And like this one is like a, definitely like a strategy episode. Couldn't agree more. So I think without further ado, we bring in Terry. Let's do it. When you have investment properties and tenants, you need a good system in place for collecting rent to make it easy as possible. And Rent Ready can help you with everything. When you sign up for Rent Ready, you can start adding your properties, inviting tenants, and creating charges. You can even set up automatic rent reminders and create auto late fees as well. For tenants, they can pay via ACH, card, or even cash using Rent Ready's web and mobile apps. They can also use an automatic payment setup and sign up for rent reporting so they get rewarded for paying rent on time. Rent Ready saves you time and hassle by automating rent collection, and you can manage everything from one dashboard. For our weekly juice listeners, Rent Ready's given us a special 50% off for any Rent Ready plan using our code weeklyjuice at rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com using the code weeklyjuice. That's W E E K 
L-Y-J-U-I-C-E to save 50% off any rent-ready blend. Terry, officially welcome to the Weekly Juice Podcast. Corey and I are so excited to have you on the show, man. As we mentioned pre-recording, um, we have some connections. We've been following you for a while. You did an amazing podcast with Rich Summers. I know you have a couple more coming out, but we're thrilled to have the opportunity to have you on the show, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Always, always a pleasure. I uh, got to see your content recently and just just a pleasure to be on the podcast. Thanks, man. Yeah, it means a lot. So uh, let's start from the beginning, uh, maybe like pre-real estate investing. I know that's a whole new kind of world now, but uh, take us through your journey to how you got into real estate in the beginning. What did you do before and how'd you get there? Right. So uh, I started off and played professional basketball in the NBA G League. Uh, I signed with Philadelphia 76ers, got waved down, and immediately went to the Delaware Bluecoats, which was the minor league team for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, throughout my journey in the G League, uh, my G League season was six months. And during those six months, I had a salary of $35,000. So for me, it was always, you know, coming, going to games, to practices. I was always wondering, you know, how am I going to get paid these next six months out of the year? Uh, some guys either, you know, sometimes guys get call-ups, they get 10 day contracts and some guys go overseas and do the remainder of the duration of the year and go to another country and play. Um, but really nothing was guaranteed for me. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I wanted to be in control of something that I knew that was going to be, uh, an income producer for me and something that gave me financial stability. And, uh, you know, I, um, remember, um, listening to the radio one day, driving a car, and I heard an ad on the radio saying, uh, come to this event, learn how to invest in real estate. And I was like, bro, this sounds interesting. Um, I do a little research on it, and, uh, you know, I just seen some mixed reviews. So I was like, you know what, let me just attack this thing. Let me go read, find a book on real estate. And then I picked up Brandon Turner's, uh, the book on rental property investing, uh, the, the blue book. And throughout reading that book, what I love so much about that book, it, like, it, 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 Triggered the mindset of understanding uh, financial freedom, cash flow, and uh, it really made me uh, be, me made me able to understand real estate, understand real estate investing, and uh, for a way that somebody who never you know thought about buying a home could go and purchase a property. So, um, you know, through that first year in the G League, I made my I made a couple offers on uh, single family houses, uh, got pre-approved. And uh, I was able to use uh, what I saved up from the G League to go purchase my first home. Yeah, I so I was doing some background research on you, and I, I realized that, you know, that first home really was able to springboard you, right? You bought the home 3% down because you were able to live in it, and then you were able to sell it for like a three times, I believe it was three times your salary for a profit. So you're talking over 100 grand. I'm curious, is that when you realized like, okay, now this is something that's going to be able to build wealth long-term for you like does that was, was that the the moment you're like all right damn i gotta go after this even harder for sure because i was like at that time you know I'm, I'm still in the gym twice a day i'm watching film and then uh some of the days i'm scraping a uh, wallpaper off the house so it's like i'm over here saying like man i want put in one foot out in this avenue and i was able to do you know x you know 3x my g league salary one foot in one foot out um i i always considered you know what happens if i'm all in on real estate. What happens if I'm all in in this avenue? You know, what can I do? I mean, I already knew inside, like what you know, what could happen. Um, but that was really game changing. I think the most, the most, uh, the most valuable thing that I really learned from that is, oh, I can go and make money through my own efforts. 
because all I ever knew growing up, you know, through college and, and uh, my first year playing professional was I have to get a job. I have to be employed by somebody in order for me to, uh, you know, make money financially. Got it. I think I want to talk about the springboarding of your real estate journey. But first, I actually do have a couple of questions about the G League because it just so happens that a uh, a Netflix, I think it was on Netflix or maybe Amazon Prime, there's a documentary that recently came out like do talking about the G League and like what a grind it is, right? And I think Gabe York's in it and um, Denzel Valentine and some guys who were like maybe higher profile in college that got drafted and went down to the, D to the G League. I think some of the guys played when it was D League too. But what... I'm curious about your mindset and how you were able to shift it towards real estate. And the reason why I'm asking the question is because I know that nothing is guaranteed in that league. Like everyone is fighting for every last dollar spot. They're trying to make it. Um, nah, it would seem to me like every, you have to be 100% all in on that. Was there a time period where you were like, okay, I got to make basketball equal or a, 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 it's it's going to fade into the the, the second place for you in terms of your time and i'm curious what that was like because i'm sure that hoops was your identity you you don't make it to the g league without being extremely good and then also having dedicated most of your life to it mm -hmm. for sure so for me it's like first year out of first year out of college so for college it was like you know i try to work out twice a day practice and then of course you got three to four classes and you know exams here and there so when I got to the G League, it was like, you know, you still get your two workouts a day. You get film in. You know, game day would be a busy day, but some days would be like, you know, there's a lot of leisure time. So uh, it's not your typical, you know, playing in the G League is not your typical nine to five. You're not, you're not spending eight hours in the gym. You know, maybe travel days are can be really extensive or driving the game, but there's a lot of times where I could, where I had time to read, I had time to listen to podcasts, I had time to connect with other individuals, and uh, and grow from there. And um, for me, though, uh, I am a strong believer, though. I am a strong believer in uh, being 100 percent in on, on, on something, not trying to be 100 percent in on three different things. Um, so what kind of made that process easier was I started investing right when COVID had happened. Um, so when COVID happened, the whole, you know, my gym was shut down. Um, you know, the G League got shut down. And really my house just closed. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to be up here every day, you know, doing what I can do. So it kind of, it made COVID a little bit fun for me. And uh, it made it, a, uh, it made, it was, it gave me the ability to be a hundred percent in on uh, on real estate for a period. That's cool. It's crazy. It's like it, it kind of made you pivot in a way too. So that's yeah. Kind of, yeah. Well, it's an interesting one. You, you don't think about it in terms of like the NBA, but like a lot of people, their jobs were shut down and frozen for a while too. And you guys too, same with the G league. So one thing I wanted to touch on, uh, you mentioned Brandon Turner's book, uh, The Blue Book. That was our first book, too. Uh, there was another one called Chad Carson's, uh, uh, what's it, Investing in Real Estate? Uh, retire Early with Real Estate. There you go. Yeah. Retire Early with Real Estate. So that was our other one. But for the one that had the biggest impact on me was The Blue Book. And I had that literally in my car, run around. like It was like my Bible, dude. Anytime I needed it, I would just tab through it. I had tabs, highlights, and like just to refer back to because it, it was gold. There's so much in there. Um, and then they, they came out the yellow book was like, was even more like how to manage a tenants. I think it was so managing rental properties. Yeah. yeah. So I had these things back left and right. And it's just funny. Like we're on two different spectrums, two di like all different walks of life here. Right. We just all hone in on that same book to pivot you into real estate investing. So that's funny that that started us out too. So I want to talk about that first deal. We talked, Corey mentioned that you three X it or three extra salary on it. Can you talk to 
like the process of going through and getting that under contract and then how you ran the numbers and then, you know, actually how the numbers netted out to help springboard you to the next level? Sure. Um, yes. Yeah, so I was at the time, anytime we were back home or I was touring homes with realtors and I didn't, you know, I was just like, I was still learning. I was still reading, uh, but I just wanted to tour houses. And um, I remember going to one of the houses and one of the realtors was saying, well, so what are you going to do? You're going to put 20%, 10% or 3% down. I said, and I was like, wait, you could do 3% down. And he said, yeah, FHA, first time home buyer, you can do it once a year and you can put 3% down. And then I was doing the math. I was like, oh, wow. So I can technically afford up to around a $300,000 home if, if it really like what, what the liquidity and capital I have. So uh, I remember there was one property and I would I would utilize a lot of resources in Delaware as well, like a lot of locals. So I would ask a lot of locals like, hey, what do you think about this area? And, you know, some would be honest with you, like, yeah, stay away from that area. You know, you don't want to you don't want to do anything out there. And then when they tell me, hey, that's a good area. Then I knew like, OK, this is maybe something I can work into. Um, so we got pre-approved. I, I was able to see what I was able to get with my G League salary. Um, and once I knew what I was pre-approved for, I knew what I can purchase. And um, there was a property on the market. It sat on the market for a bit. They were always lowering the price. And uh, I remember we came in and offered like 160 and then we countered back and they uh, we we uh, we agreed on one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Now, um, during during their first sale, um, you know, you have contingencies. You have an appraisal contingency, inspection contingency. And uh, throughout those two contingencies, um, during the inspection contingency specifically, there was a lot of safety hazards and uh, things wrong with the house. It was an older home. So um, I remember we uh, we asked the owner to either, you know, fix the issues of the home or credit us uh, $15,000. I remember him counting us back at five and we met in the middle at $10,000. So I was, I went into the closing table with a $6,000 cashier's check and I was able to leave with the keys and a $10,000 check to go fix up the house. So I was like walking out of there. I was like, I just made some money to, uh, I just made some money to, uh, you know, go and fix this house. I just made some money to buy this house essentially. So uh, my plan was obviously to, uh, you know, to uh, kind of do a burst strategy. Uh, I kind of got into it after reading the book on the rental property investing. It was like I wanted to get into it for financial freedom to uh, to make that passive income. Uh, so it was I was going to do it and make a rental. So um, I put in the $10,000 for the seller credits that we have. Then I had about $10,000 saved up and then I used about $10,000 in credit card debt. And um, altogether, it was about a $30,000 rehab. So 170 plus 30, I was all in 200 grand. And um, a year later-ish, a year later-ish, I was able to sell it for $320,000. That's awesome. That's amazing. And then you're thinking like, okay, I made the money. I made 100 grand, which is, by the way, taxed less than your W-2s tax, right? So you're even making more. Which is like I know that like you get a ten day contract, you're basically getting a hundred grand, right? So it's almost like you got that ten day, even if you didn't, right? So you but you get this bug. That's what I want to talk about. You got bit by the bug, and then you're like, okay, now I can make this my thing. I'm curious because now, people for people that don't know, like you're you're developing units. I the number I have here, I'm not sure if it's accurate, but like up to seven units between Joshua Tree and L.A. It might even be further or along since I last did some research on you, but. You know, that's a long way in the last few years. So, like, what happened between that first property and then the next couple moves that you made to to allow yourself to springboard? Uh -huh. 
So even before that property sold, um, COVID had happened. I fixed it up. Uh, I got a tenant in there. And then I, I went out to Los Angeles. That's where I do all my basketball training. And, uh, you know, LA is expensive. I'm still I have this little G League salary. I'm collecting a little bit of money throughout the uh, Delaware house being rented. And I'm like, all right, I got to figure out how I can still make some money out here because I don't know what's happening with COVID in basketball. So um, I remember just listening to uh, Thatch, Thatch on um, Instagram and he was talking about wholesaling. You could do it with no money, no credit. And I'm like, all right, well, I know real estate. I know the game a little bit. Let me get into wholesaling. And uh, around three, four months, I just was grinded. So I have a, I used to have a workout at 8 a.m. And um, I used to go to Whole Foods and I bought a list for like $200 of vacant uh, high equity homeowners in the area that I was working out. And every day I have three highlighters and I would highlight it. Green if they answered and was a lead. Yellow if they didn't answer. Red if it was a hard no. And every day my goal was to call 60 to 100 people, hand dialing them. And uh, in three months, I was able to get my first wholesale deal. And, you know, after I, I made about $5,000 on my first wholesale deal. And then after that, I was able to, you know, scale that business up, you know, uh, get dialers, uh, get some cold callers, uh, use texting systems, use ringless voice messages. And I was able to scale up my wholesaling business of three to four deals a month. And, um, this allowed me to not just learn how to wholesale, but this would learn how to source good deals because I'm giving deals to investors. Now, I'm learning what investors are really buying properties for, what investors are doing. So I'm watching these investors. I'm watching them buy. I'm seeing what they're doing in cash flow. I'm seeing what they're doing in developing. And I know that when when it comes to my time to have this capital or to raise this capital, that I can do exactly what they're doing. Um, so I do that to get some active income. And then I stumble on Joshua Tree, California. And uh, I buy I buy a house in Joshua Tree, California for about $230,000. I sell the house in Delaware, liquidate a little bit. And then I put about $65,000 of renovation to that. And this is like a bit uh, above a step of my Delaware rehab. It's like more uh, more electrical work, uh, HVAC work, um, some a lot of landscaping work, adding a hot tub. So it was a bigger, a bit more of a rehab. And uh, I was all in about 305 and I ended up selling that home a year, about a year and a half later for 420 grand and good, good, good little, good little flip. And then um, it was in, and also was making $6,000 a month on Airbnb. My monthly payment at the time was $1,600 a month. So I'm like, Ooh, you know, a couple of these wouldn't be so bad either. You know, if I can get these, yeah. you know, yeah. So uh, that that was really, that was good as well. And then I did a couple more flips out there. And then as I was wholesaling and I made some money off the flips of the properties, uh, I bought two lots, two two vacant lots. And uh, the reason why I bought two vacant lots in Joshua Tree because my homes were about 1980 homes, you know, track homes, nothing really special about them, but they were doing 6,000 a month. And when I looked on air DNA data, these new construction properties were doing uh, close to 15 grand a month. And, and as I'm wholesaling, I'm wholesaling land to investors. I'm asking developers, you know, as I'm wholesaling the land to them, uh, well, what are you going to do with this land? How much is it going to cost you to build this property? And some of them were building these homes for 400,000. So I'm like, I'm all in on my homes, 320 ish. You're all in 400 grand. You're making 15 grand a month. I'm making three grand a month. And on top of that, you're the equity spread between your uh, 400 grand, it probably at worth, worth at least 750. You have about $350,000 of equity at least. I'm like, I need to do what you're doing. 
And uh, that's what led me to go buy some land and, uh, you know, to start developing. And then um, as I started developing, I really like, I think, I know I found that niche in uh, real estate that I, that I fell in love with. There's just so many different niches in real estate. And I like recommend almost everybody like, you know, stay in real estate for a little bit, but you'll find that niche, whether it be management, uh, buying a hold, wholesaling, uh, developing, there's just, there's just an array. We all know there's just so many and, uh, developing was like, wow, to like work with the architect to uh, create a vision, to see it come to life, hit the piece of paper, hit some renderings and, and go form and be a, this, whatever you imagine it to be was like, kind of like gold for me. It was just super exciting. And, um, I was just, I remember I was just to this day, I'm just so like, when I was submitting plans to the city, I was just like, so happy to go bring some plans to the city and see this process unfold. Um, yeah, with- to make that, to bring that to life is, is really exciting. I love the design aspect because we have Airbnbs, we run a short-term rental hospitality business and like to watch people come in and like really enjoy the aspect of it that you put time and energy and money into, like that really gets us fired up. It's the creative side of real estate. But one thing that I wanted to mention that I think that people should listen in to is like, you almost like didn't know what you didn't know and you all, and you didn't care. That That's what I, I found about this story that I think is super cool. You're like, I gotta, I'm gonna go wholesale. Like, I'm gonna get the list. I'm gonna call these people. Like, no, like, well, what, you know, what's my strategy? Like, should I wait? Should I do like eight months of analysis paralysis? Should I get a cold calling team? And you're like, I'm going to try this strategy. I'm going to try this one. I'm going to try this one until I find out what one works. And like, that's really the name of the game is like, you just got to fail forward. And I, I don't think a lot of people do that. I don't know if that's maybe your personality, you know, the, the, the determination and drive with hoops or whatever it is. But I think that that's really the key. I don't know if you have any thoughts behind that or what was allowed you to just be like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to call all these people like not scared and maybe you were scared to do it. I don't know, but like you did it anyway. Right. Right. Um, the call, yeah, the call, even wholesaling. I remember this is this is this was uh, the funny thing about wholesaling. It's like once you get like for me, once I got like a little uh, a little hint at what to do, I would just I just go do it. And then I figure, you know, I also like I figure out you know through reading, connecting with people, and then I also figure out through experience. And uh, I remember my um, I, I I got like a, a little hint of what to do with the wholesaling. I just started calling people, uh, driving for dollars, and calling that list and. Uh, I remember somebody who called, I called someone and they, and I was like, Hey, you know, I was calling about your property. I wanted to know if you're willing to consider an offer on it. And the guy's like, yeah, come by, check it out. So I go by, check it out. And I don't know too much about wholesaling right now. I just know, like, let's say 10% of wholesaling. Um, you know, I toured a good house with the guy. I don't thank you. And he goes, um, and then I, I see, I just saw one formula online and it was like, it was a basic formula on how you should make an offer to wholesaling. And, um, the guy's like, yeah, what are you thinking? And I was like, ah, I'd have to be at around $420,000 for this property. And he's like, ah, 480 is the lowest I'd go. And I just, I was like, ah, it's not going to work. And I just left. Uh, I call up another wholesaler and, uh, you know, we're just talking, I'm learning. And then I was like, yeah, this guy wanted me to sell his house for 480. Uh, you know, it wasn't a deal. Didn't pencil out. And he's like, send me the address. And I sent him the address and he goes, wait. You wanted to sell it up for 480? I said, yeah. I was like, crazy, right? He goes, wait, 480,000? I said, yeah. He goes, bro, get off the phone. We call that guy back up right now and lock that deal up. I have a buyer for you in the next next five minutes. I was like, okay, we're going to go, go, go. And it's like three weeks after. So I called the guy up. I was like, hey, man, it's me, Terry. You know, I kicked you out the other day. I was like, hey, 480, we can make it happen. And he goes, he laughs. He laughs at me. He goes, ha. He goes, 
sold it on the market with a realtor last week, $550,000. Uh, <laughs> ah, yeah. damn. That'll get you. Yeah. Right. That'll get you. So I like, I, and he just, he just hung up and I just sat, I remember I sat on the couch. I was like, I was like, look, I could do one or two things right now. I can like, I can be mad about this and never wholesale again. Or I can know everything I need to know about wholesaling and try to replicate this deal and try to make it happen again. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go all in. And I'm like, and, but that, that little first fail though, gave me the, uh, gave me the, uh, okay, it can really, it can really work. You can really make money wholesaling with no money, you know? So, you know, that, 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 yeah. And it's like that creative, uh, like the thing is, is that the experienced people in the game that you've probably connected yourself with know how to make the deals work. Like there's always a way to make a deal work. There's always a number that, that somebody else wants to do this with the property. Somebody wants to, Somebody could be like, oh, I want to knock that thing down and build a $2 million house. Who knows? Like, you just never know what somebody else's plan was. The person who's selling it might have a mortgage. He might have chose 480 because he he owed 480. And he's like, this is the number just because I want to get out of it clean. Like, there's just, there's just never, there's just so many avenues in real estate. I think that's what you've kind of created for yourself. So it's pretty cool. I want to talk about the development and like the, 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 the raising the funds, I mean, was this something that you were able to do on your own to start, like by by kind of playing real life Monopoly, or did you create relationships with other investors, other maybe dudes in the NBA who had capital that they didn't really know what to do with? Like, what was your strategy to try to, because going from wholesaling and flipping to developing, to me, sounds like a huge jump. Like development's a whole nother animal, right? Like what was the way that you were able to fund some of these projects? Mm-hmm. So the first, the first, uh, the first Joshua Tree developments, uh, after I started doing the first three, I actually found out, um, the capital needed for these developments for the single family developments was very in line with the, the flips I was doing. So that was like, that was made it all the point to actually make that full transition into developing single family, then to, to rehab the single family. And uh, I remember land out there is fairly cheap, you know, I, I and I was wholesaling too. So as I like wholesale, like one of my wholesalers is telling me every five deals you wholesale, keep one for yourself. So, um, and the average wholesale deal I was making was around nine grand at the time. So I was wholesaling land to investor, investor A, investor B, investor C. And then you know, I remember when one good land deal came to me, uh, like it, for instance, one of mine, I had water power, two and a half acres, and I was able to get it for uh, $18,000. So um, I was in a position to go to buy that. And um, what I also like about developing is uh, on like flipping, flipping, you know, you need those funds in like three to four months. Developing, you can get those funds in over the course of 12 months. So um, I was able to buy the land and then um, I was able to uh, go and get an architect, um, get the engineering, get all the site testing that needed to be done. Uh, about And then and then about six months to go do the um the planning, pay the city planning fees and whatnot. And um, 18,000 and probably like another $30,000 for all the pre-development fees. So like roughly, let's say roughly, let's say 50 grand investment over the course of a year. And um, then then I was able to go to a construction lenders and 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 see how much I was able to get through construction financing. And um, one of the construction lenders I actually work with right now, they give you 60% loan to value. So what they'll end up doing is they'll appraise the land, uh, appraise the drawings as if the home was built today. And one of them appraised the house that I was doing uh, for a million dollars. And they were able to give me a six six $600,000 uh, 
construction budget to build a property. And um, depending on how much your GC quotes you for, my GC actually quoted me under, under that. So I was able to put interest payments inside that loan as well. And that led me to, to be able to build this property for $50,000. Um, you know, I was able to do one of those. I was able to buy another piece of land. And um, I remember I was still wholesaling actively. I was remember um, I had a, a, a group of people, two people, partners who wanted to come out and check out some of the deals. And uh, I, I showed them I showed them one of the lots and they're like, oh, it's not going to work. And uh, then I, you know, I kind of, I told him, I was like, are you sure this is a really good lot? And, um, you know, they were act, they were asking me, well, what do you have it under contract for? How much are you trying to make? And I'm not, you know, at the time I'm open about it. I always, that's just the way I learned how to wholesale. I didn't want to be any, be secretive. And I told him I had an under contract for $22,000 and I was looking to sell it to an investor for 45. And if they weren't going to buy it, I was probably, I, I told them I was going to probably close on it at the time. I probably wasn't, but I just said it anyway. And uh, I remember they were like, they asked about my projects. I showed them my Airbnbs. I showed them my new construction. I showed them how I was doing it. I was showing them how I was utilizing construction financing. And they loved everything. They loved the whole Airbnb play with it. And they told me right there on the site, how about this? We have the capital. We love what you're doing. How about we buy all your land at the price that you have it under contract for it, And we make you an equal partner with us. And... For me, it was like, this is everything I this is everything I'm asking for. Like I've been asking for. This is what I want to do. I want to be a full-time developer. And this is the right path for me to be a full-time developer. So um I remember and and, and that business partnership, it, although he's they said that day one, we're still partners today. We're still at buying land and we're still working together. And it's been a it's been a great partnership. But it's just it's just when I was able to show you show value and uh in a way, I was able to be in these deals and show them how much money out of pocket they needed. Um, you know, these guys were also building properties with cash. They were they were buying land, uh, building homes for like 300, 400 grand. And uh, when they were able to see that they can be in a property, in and out of property for fifty to $70,000, it was a no-brainer for them to bring in a partner and to do five, six, seven, eight, nine of these instead of being able to do one or two. Because uh, they were so liquid, you're saying. Exactly, exactly. So, is the plan was the plan with is and was the plan with all the development to do to to build them and then rent them out on Airbnb, or do you have different plans for each of them? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I say build them, rent them out. I like to just I like to buy and hold. Um, so it's build them. We take sixty percent of LTV, and then I like to refinance after at seventy five percent LTV. And then, um, you know, I also put them. All, I'm going to put all of them on the market at a price I feel comfortable selling them for. I don't like to build and to build to sell. Uh, construction financing is really high right now, and you know it's we're not selling as fast as we were selling 18 months ago. So it's like let's 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 build refinance, and, and you know that can be a little patient with the. Uh, I can be patient with my uh, construction budget and uh, patient with selling as well. Cool, it's awesome. Um, so you were able to. Is all of this property that you're doing all in the LA Joshua tree like area is that your main focus now and do you do you foresee yourself like continuing to grow your brand and and your development projects in that area mm -hmm. yeah so we started off in Joshua tree and as I started to get a hold on Joshua tree maneuvered through other planning departments city of Yucca Valley Joshua tree and Landers 
uh, I felt I was ready to go into LA. So I started to acquire this year, actually, this year and late last year, two sites in Los Angeles, uh, one 25 unit and one of 42 unit apartment complexes. And um, I, I do hope to expand, but as a new developer and kind of a, fair, a fairly new real estate developer, real estate investor, uh, I'm big on like I'm big on developing and uh, investing in areas that I know the best that I can ha that I have access to all the time. Um, you know, just when I as I think as I start beginning to get gain more resources, especially in other markets, then I can see myself investing in different markets. But as of now, I'm just want to stay in these two markets where I know that like, hey, if I got to go out to the site and Joshua Tree, I can get in my car and get there in an hour thirty. Or if I need to get, go to my site in LA, I can get there in fifteen minutes. Cool. So. Um, do you have like a favorite deal that you've done so far? Like a, maybe one that you want to, I know you broke down the numbers for your first deal. Do you have, I'm really curious about the development aspect and, and, and how the numbers end up shaking out. Maybe if you could break down either a, a single family or, or a bigger deal, whatever it is. And like what you're putting it in, what you think you're going to be able to get in rent. Um, just some details would be really cool to hear for people that, uh, outside they're listening that maybe they want to get into development as well for sure so um well actually my first my first property my first house you just finishing it up right now um we bought the land for the one i was eighteen thousand dollars and i was able to wholesale that for myself uh i spent about thirty about thirty thousand dollars in the pre-development um the construction financing was i remember we had to bring about fifteen thousand dollars to close on the construction loan and um and this one was it was a gradual build up. there's like there's two different types of construction loans that you can get you can get all the funds up front and then kind of pay for the fees or you can pay of what you spend so this one was like a gradual build up um all in were about 600 and 600 and about twenty five thousand dollars for the build of the property so add another fifty thousand dollars for the uh land and the uh, pre-development so about 675 and then um, I feel like I'm missing something off the fly. Um, we end up adding a pool to the property for another 75 grand. So it's all in about 750 grand for this whole house. And it just got appraised uh, last week for $1.2 million. So for 7.7, 7, you know, seven and a half to, uh, you know, 750 to 1.2 is a, in my opinion, it's a good margin. I don't know about it. You know, everybody's I mean, It's definitely <laughs> a good margin. That type of property that's, you know, that what in the area that you're in, if you're talking about Airbnb, you're saying that that type of property can do 15,000 a month in revenue. Is that like a, a range? I'm just, I, I've never equated the development. I actually don't even know if I've heard anybody that does development to, to short-term rentals, which I think is awesome. It's a great strategy, oh, yeah. especially in an area that everyone wants to come visit. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one is like, first one was a lot of mistakes in that house that I just did. And uh, I think where I, where I kind of messed up was the, the value of engineering part. I added the absurd amount of glass in that property and uh, the price to build was more than I expected, but um, it's, I'm okay with it because it's a unique product that hits the Airbnb market. And um, I do, I, I expect it to do about 15 to 20,000 a month. I'm, I'm uh, throughout property management companies I've been speaking with. Uh, we're, we're basing, we're projecting it to do around hundred grand, 180 grand, uh, year one. So, um, you know, and then as it gains reviews and everything, we obviously want it to do better year two, year three. 
Um, but, um, you know, new constructions, they do very well on Airbnb out there specifically houses with pools do very well. Cause it just gets super hot out there and it's a good, it's a great amenity to have. Um, so, you know, those, those are the numbers that we expect that we expect. And I kind of like utilize, um, the Burr strategy, but with Airbnb instead of just renting it long-term. So yeah, Burr, like, Burr BNB, I guess is what they call it, right? Burr BNB, yeah. yeah. Or like Blur, buy land, whatever. But, oh, okay. That's cool. That's <laughs> one, dude. I'd never heard that. That's great. Do you, uh, let me ask you this. So in terms of property management, are you, you're not doing this in-house, right? You're, you're outsourcing. Can you talk to like how you found the person that's going to actually manage this? Cause there's, there's a difference between a long-term renter long-term rental property manager versus a short-term. It's difference. like a, it's a whole hospitality business, right? So it takes a lot of vetting. We know a couple of people out there and you know, Tony Robbins and his wife do it. Then Rob Abasolo, he's the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. So he's more of a tiny homes guy. Um, but those are the people I know out in Joshua Tree. I don't know if you have, I assume you probably have some connections there, but how did you find the person that was going to you know, take undertake this amazing deal that you put together and trust that they're going to be able to generate the 15 to 20 for you? Mm-hmm. I kind of, now I kind of stay at a, you know, for anything, actually, management companies, contractors, and architects, um, whoever I pick, I want to make sure that you're doing it at that scale, you know? So it's like, if this is a luxury home that I expect to do 200 grand a year, do you have 200 grand a year uh, Airbnbs in your portfolio? So like contractors, uh, is this a luxury property that costs X amount of dollars? That it, Do you have luxury homes that you have built? Uh, architects, if this is the vision I encapsulate, have you created that vision before? So like, I try to use that kind of strategy when I'm going after, you know, property management companies. And, uh, I spoke to many property management companies and, um, I think, uh, another, you know, that was kind of the main indicating factor, of what, what properties they were managing. And, uh, and, you know, if you're managing a high-end properties, you also know how to deal with the high-end guests that you have to deal with and you have to know how to accommodate them the right way. You know, it's a difference when you're managing properties for you know these the uh, just the everydayers or, or or people who just need a space to to, to uh, later feed here and there. Then you're then you're uh, managing for that high end crowd. Yeah, so that's kind of how I picked my property management. I think the I love what's happening in the Airbnb space right now. I I know that people are running from it, and that's why I think I love it because I think. Everyone is seeing articles and they're reading things about this big plummet. And like, I'm telling you, I just bought, I just onboarded an Airbnb in Tampa and I did a hundred percent occupancy in July and a hundred percent in August. And I did not expect that. And I, I think it's because of the marketing, the the systems, the management, and like, it's all honed in. And I can tell this property is a home run. I think everyone, everyone that I talk to, not everyone, but there's a lot of people that I talk to like, ah, I don't know if I want to get in the Airbnb space right now. I think there's, I think it's, it's the Airbnb bust. And I'm telling you, I don't think that's true at all. I'm curious what you're seeing. Have you talked to people that are thinking like, "Mm, not a good time. And I also think that's like, you know, be fearful when everyone is greedy type thing, because a lot of people were able to throw up their mom's shed on Airbnb in 2021 and make all this money. And they can't do that now because their photos suck, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I think like kind of what you said, um, you know, it's about putting a good product on the market. So I remember, I know a lot of people coming out into Joshua tree and, you know, making, making something for Airbnb, but forgetting to put a water activity. It just gets so hot in a desert. Like these are some things that are needed. You know, you need either a hot tub or, a, um, or a cowboy tub or a pool to get X amount of dollars. Um, you, 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 you need, uh, a lot, 
properties that do better are the ones with a lot of acreage. So you need that. So it's kind of also like understanding your market. Uh, what's what makes you successful in Las Vegas on Airbnb is not going to make you or probably won't make you successful in Joshua Tree. And um, it's also also like know what tier of Airbnb you're in. You know, I, I like to come in on that uh, on the high end tier to get X amount of dollars. And I know that in my market too, people are building for Airbnb. So what does that mean? There more high end Airbnbs are coming in, and um, but more high. If, for for me, what I see is when if Airbnb is the highest you can get in Joshua Tree, a thousand dollars a month for Airbnb, um, and those more of those start coming in, they're going to take the thousand dollar a month spot, and the ones that are lower are going to start getting less and less money. So. Um, I'd be a little fearful of getting a 1980s home, trying to put some furniture in, furniture in it and make it an Airbnb. I would like to, uh, when I'm coming in on the market, just because I know so many people are coming in on this market with either, you know, rehabbing properties and making them luxury or, or building new houses and making it a luxury. I want to come in on that end rather than coming on the low end spectrum where, where you're basically getting pushed down every day. Yep. Totally. Before we wind down the show, Terry, I want to know what your future goals are with your business. Like if you were to project out one to three years, you've done a lot in the last three years. I mean, you mentioned like this whole thing happened when COVID started. We're talking about three years ago, right? So mm -hmm. it's been, I'm sure, a whirlwind for you. And and we were talking before the podcast. It's like you're on, you're getting on all these podcasts now. A couple of them helped you scale your your following. And like that's, believe me, there's more to come. You have an awesome story to tell. So that's great. But what does the next one to three look like for you? Like, what did you have goals set out for what you want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. um, I think the one next one of three is uh, to uh, finish the multifamily deals that I have in Los Angeles. I'm super excited about those. Um, and to have about four to six more, at least four to six more acquisitions. Well, I think four to six more acquisitions in the next year is what I'm trying to aim for. I want to, uh, to I want to build five, 500 more doors. Um and I, I think that's, I think it's attainable. And um, I, I also like, since I'm a young developer, um, I want to bring a sense of uh, creativity in my builds. I want to bring a sense of community living in these builds as well, where like, you know, guests are, have amenities and like things where they, they, they can take some, a sense of pride in the building. So I want, I want, I want, I want the buildings to be like, whoa, look like that's a really nice building when somebody drives by it. Um, but I would say one to three years, 500, 500 units to build 500 units would be my goal. Cool. You guys can hold me accountable. Set it here. Yeah, first. we did, dude. I mean, hey, it's recorded now, dude. So you can't <laughs> think about it. Uh, <laughs> can't put it out now. There. No, that's, that's amazing, man. Um, I want to talk a little bit more, not really, it's one of my last questions, but uh, more personal. So Corey and I always like to ask this towards the end of the show, but like just to get to know you a little bit and like forecasting why you do what you do. So main question is like, what do you want your legacy to be? And kind of what's your why for getting out of bed every day to do what you do? I mean, it's, it's not an easy undertaking. I know you're like to be creative and you clearly have done this in a short amount of time, but you've, you've really gotten after it. So for us, it's like, what's your, what's your underlying why? Like how, why do you get out of bed to do what you do? Mm -hmm. Man, that's a good question. Uh, I think, um, I, I definitely want to, uh, leave a legacy. I want to, I want to create something special. And, um, you know, with real estate, I just feel like everything was kind of like, it just flowed naturally, um, you know, when I was getting into it and uh, to see where I was able to get from, from four and a half years ago to now, it just shows me like, you know, that it's working, that I'm following this, this, in the following this gut instinct to uh, really pursue what I want to be able to pursue. 
Uh, I do have this dream of creating a city one day, of building a city one day. So like, that's kind of like, and I like, I always had this kind of dream when I was younger. So like, now that I see it, like, okay, the real estate's kind of leading into that path. So it's like, I just want to keep building this thing up so I can like one day, you know, have, have that, have that future city. So that's well, you're, if you project out the trajectory, I think you might be on your, on your way four years <laughs> doing what you're doing. Maybe you multiply that by another four, you know, you might be at, you might have a city. So, um, <laughs> that's. That's awesome, man. The last question for me, and um, I, I like to ask this question because it's kind of a reflection type thing. Um, you know, Hoops was your life for a long period of time. You made a great career for yourself. You're able to make some money. I mean, like not that many people say they can make money. Not many people go to Division One college, right? Play basketball. And then from there to make money playing basketball is a whole nother level. So the only reason I brought that up is because I know that was pro probably the biggest factor in your younger years. But if you were to go back to like your 17 or 18 year old self, knowing what you know now about your basketball career, knowing what you know about your real estate investing journey and being an entrepreneur, like what advice would you give 18 year old Terry? And we always like to say this, like not suggesting that he would listen because he might not, but what, what, what advice would you give him? I would just say, Hey man, it's all going to be worth it. Just, just, just keep grinding, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I remember one of my coaches was telling me like, cause I used to always like, there was times in the G league where, you know, when guys would come down from the, the NBA team, you know, you just don't play, and there was a time where I wasn't paying for a, a bit of a while, but I was still like in the gym getting extra work in all the time. And one of the coaches would be like, look, I know it's hard to see it now, but trust me, like this, should, it's all going to be worth it one, one day or another. It, it, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to plan out, but it will. And, and I kind of stuck that with me. Um, I stuck that with me just, just all the time, even till now, like if I'm grinding super hard, you know, you might, you're not going to see the results right now, but it, it just, I just know it inside, like it's going to be worth it. And then yeah. uh, another thing like with basketball could make, sometimes I tell myself today, it's like, it's like, ah, you know, if you kept playing, you know, you could have made a max deal and I calculate, all right, a max deal would have been like, you know, best case scenario. Uh, what are they making now? I think a max could be, you know, 30, 30 a year for, yeah, like, Okay. Yeah, like that. Okay. Or is, yeah, is that a max? Yeah, like 30 a year. So however many years that is, four years, that's one 20 exactly so i gotta i gotta do that you know it's to, to really be satisfied to really know my decision was all right this is the right decision now I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that'll that'll be tough man but i i think you're you're definitely on your way and, and the cool thing about it is that the i think that coach i, I don't know who he was but the what a lot that didn't just he wasn't just talking about basketball man like the discipline and the and the work ethic that you built in the sport it carried you into the sport of life and the sport of real estate investing. And that is really like what it is for us. Like we're sports guys. We grew up, we, we didn't do it, you know, at the collegial level even, but the fact like the competitiveness, that drive, it carries over into every aspect and it like makes you want to win. And like, and the, I a hundred percent know that's the reason why you were able to scale so quickly and be successful is like, it's the two sports teach you everything. So, um, yeah, man, this is awesome. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, What's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Maybe they want to follow your journey on social or they want to network and connect. For sure. Uh, I would say Instagram is the best way at Terry Harris 15. You know, feel free to message me. That's probably the social media app that I'm on the most. So on it, maybe a little too much, but uh, right there, I, I try to display my projects on there as well. Throw a couple of reels out there and some information. So that's probably the best way. If you think you're spending too much time on it now, wait till you start teaching people how to do this, man. It'll be like, it'll be, it'll be running 24 seven. Dude, I want to see you in a year, dude. I'm just telling you, like, it's good. It, 
the amount of stuff you're doing on the side is amazing. But when you start documenting it even more, it, dude, it just becomes this big thing. You talked about BP. You talked about uh, Rich Summers. Like it's it's going to be an onslaught. And I just want to mark the day as the day. Just remember this conversation. You'll be like, holy wow. shit, dude. Like I cannot believe we did all that. It's it's coming. It's coming. Appreciate you, Terry. Thanks so much for going on, man. This is awesome. It's cool to get to know you, and I hope we can stay in touch. I uh, appreciate you guys. This was amazing. Thanks for tuning in this week to the Weekly Juice Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and share with friends. The more ratings we get, the more ears we'll get on our show. And in turn, we'll be able to provide you with more high-quality guests. You can also find us on Instagram at Weekly Juice Pod, where we post daily tips and tricks and document our own journey towards financial freedom. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday to get your weekly juice.